buddy. From beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist, the podcast. I'm Frank. And sitting in for Dan, I'm Doug. And coming up today, it's that special time of the year again. The Mormons. Feel it in the air. (laughs) The Mormons gather in mass downtown Salt Lake City. uh, And we're going to be talking kind of a little preview and some recollections of uh, general conferences past and, and whatnot. So... Um. Yeah. Where do we Where do we want to get started? Do you Do you have a story? Well, that you I, sp- speaking of general with? conference, um, yep. I do have a kind of an update on a story you guys have been following, and it's about um a, a, the Mormon practice of making very young children tell their hmm. sexual picadillos to old men <laughs> in, in a room with no one else there. Right. Um. As you guys have discussed, the Mormon Church has been under fire lately for, um. You know, I think in the context of the Me Too movement. Among many other things, uh, the practice of having to go once a year, is it once a year or twice a year? I think it's like once a year. Once a year yeah. and sit with your bishop, who is right. always a man, right? and kind of inventory your crimes and sexual indiscretions and impure thoughts. And, um, and you must do this from the time you start out around eight years old, because it's at post-baptism, because all yeah. your sins are washed away when you get baptized. Right. And then from the rest of your life, you go in and spend an hour a year telling your bishop all of the terrible things you've done over the course of the year. Which <laughs> nowadays, it would take more than an hour, but... Um, well, I mean, is that... Re- I mean, I guess I never saw it that way as a kid. It oh, was really? Like, oh, I, I, oh, I get to meet with the bishop, yeah. right? And it never seemed creepy. I remember one bishop asking me if I... What was the phrase he used? self-abuse yes exactly and i was just like what is that Uh, did he show you (laughs) (laughs) no but you and i possess a certain anatomical feature that makes it seem a lot less creepy when we're meeting with a a man to talk about man Mm, stuff mm -hmm. um if you're a young woman particularly if you're a young woman and particularly Mm. if you are becoming sexually active Mm -hmm. once a year you have to sit in a room alone with a man and describe in excruciating detail what you've done. Right. And, you know, I think there's no, unfortunately, no man alive that would be able that without training mm-hmm. that could sit in a room with a, with a young woman describing sexual activity without, you know, having some complications there. Yeah. And so th- this has really come into focus with this recording of this woman. I don't know if you guys talked about this or heard about this. Yeah. Mike, and did you listen to it? No. Oh, God. Is it gross? It's it's really rough. It's and it's long. But she she um, under the guise of being a reporter, gets her ex mission president from many many years ago to confess his sexual crimes against her. Right, and he does. Yeah, and that recording has brought all of this into sharp focus. So the Mormon Church, in a very very rare departure from practice, um, has bent its its practices to public outcry right and is updating their policies on how they go about the bishop's interview right and just today as we're sitting here there is a crowd gathering in downtown salt lake to take a petition to the church um kind of trying to get them to change this policy now the church's change in policy doesn't really solve the problem because their solution to having to sit alone with an old man and describe your sexual um year (laughs) is now the solution is we'll have another adult sit in the room so I don't know if you, did you ever confess some of your things to the bishop? Uh, no, I waited until my my mission president. Ah, uh, nothing. Well, because also my dad was my bishop oh, when God. I was like thirteen. Oh or no, on right, That's dreadful. And uh, 
14 maybe. Uh, and so there was that, and there was just this, you know, the, the, the amount of shame and everything that had been piled up on mm -hmm. me, I, I felt in my head, the, the, the whole thought process was there's no way that I could ever actually admit to any of this. It's yeah. so awful. So stigmatized. Right. And then we're talking about masturbation, I assume. Yeah, or, or that's it. thereabouts. And some right. gay thoughts. Right. You know? And actually, some very gay thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I confessed masturbating when I was like 14 to the bishop. And, and the only thing that could have made that more terrible and horrible was having another guy sit in the room. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what right. good would that have done me? <laughs> right. and, and the or your parent. Oh, my, exactly. And right. that's part of the policy is you can have your parents sit in the room. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, so that's the, that's the church's change in policy is to allow for, not mandate, but allow for another person to be in the room. And it has to be at the request of the person who is being interviewed. So uh, just put yourself in the position of, you know, a 14-year-old girl who, you know, got a little hot and heavy with her boyfriend. Uh -huh. And you have to go into the bishop. But you've got this option of inviting another old man to come and watch you confess. Could you, could this, could this young woman uh, have her Sunday school teacher or somebody come? I don't like know. A, a like a female. Yeah, it can be a, a female. It can be a female. It can be a female, okay. which is a huge, you know, right. step forward for the Mormon church. Right. But it doesn't solve the problem. I mean, the, the problem is making children confess to untrained people right. under the guise of having committed terrible sin and offended God. Yeah. There's really no way to make that not damaging, I don't think. No, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The petition that's being taken to the church today huh. by this group called Protect the Children actually is just, it, it's asking for the practice to be jettisoned entirely. Say, you just this is take, no longer, yeah. Take those questions out. Take those questions out. In and a, the, the concern of the bishop about the sexual yeah. activities of... Well, and it, kids. I mean, the, the issue here for the church, though, is they just lost a lot of control if they do that. I think so. I think, and I think they lose the next generation. I think, I, and, yeah. because without their control and with them, their little fingers up in your brain. Sorry. I didn't know where you were going with that. The people, <laughs> the pe people are going to leave. I agree. In in much larger numbers than yeah. they already are. I agree. And they already have a problem with. A purge happening in the church, and the you know the the controls that were put in through the bishops' interview are not the recent. I guess it comes a lot of it comes from um, oh God, what's his name? The one who just passed the really Thomas, uh, uh, Thomas S. Monson. Uh, no, uh, oh Packer, oh Packer. Packer was instrumental in a lot of getting. Packer's dead. Packer's dead. You didn't you didn't hear the Glory church bells ring? Yeah. <laughs> How did I miss that? <laughs> did you see the sunrise was a little more beautiful that day? <laughs> yeah, without diverging, uh, Boyd K. Packer was one of the ones who was instrumental. Because I don't know if you remember, the questions weren't just have you masturbated. It was right. how often have you masturbated? Wow. You know, when did you masturbate? And, and so for women confessing, the, the questions are always, okay, tell me about what sexual positions you got yourself into. Was there, was there penetration? Was there, I mean, these over the clothes, under the clothes. These questions weren't in the handbook. Yeah. Right? No. Yes. The, and so. How, how is it that I somehow got away with one bishop when I was 12 years old asking me if I self-abuse? And then when I said, what is that? He's like, well. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but maybe your bishops weren't attracted to you. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, sure, I'm fine. It's, good. So, good, good to know. The, 
<laughs> I mean, no offense what a, by the relief, actually. <laughs> um, uh, the policy has changed at a certain degree, which in, in and of itself is kind of monumental. Yeah. But it has not, it is not doing nothing to the underlying problem, if, right. if not making it worse. Well, and the way that the church works and the mentality of church members is um, even just asking for this accommodation, even though the, the church has said it's okay. Yeah. What you're really saying is, I don't trust you, Bishop, right. and somebody else, Who, and so you're not going to do it. It, it unless I, I wouldn't. And, right. and again, I just didn't. I don't want someone else having to watch me confess to this stuff. Right. You know, it's terrible. Right. And and let alone a parent or. You know, who do you invite in if you're a 14 year old? What adult do you feel comfortable with your sexuality with? The, the young women's instructor who you trusted closely yeah. and that already knows what you did. Yeah. To be honest, I mean that that's who people will take in. Let's hope so. Is I I want my confidant in the ward yeah. to come along with me as support. Let's hope that's let's hope so. But I, mean, I don't, I don't it, know that that's the way that these kids will think. I I. I don't want to put myself back in that time and place, yeah. but I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have had the wherewithal. Ugh. So, right. so updated. All right. Well, um, where to go from there? <laughs> uh, actually, I want to skip over to um, a coroner in the UK, right? Um, uh, well, a Sex Pistol song? <laughs> coroner in the UK? <laughs> Sounds likely. Um the uh, her, her name is Mary Hassel, uh, and uh, she's the senior coroner for Inner North London, which I guess is an area that has a large, uh, how would you say, um, Jewish and Muslim minority populations. Ah. Right? There's just there's a lot of um, Muslim and Jewish communities in that in that right. part of London, and she has decided that she is going to operate. Her whole little corner operation thing uh-huh. uh, in a first come first served basis, which is not how it's ha- it's worked in the past or in other jurisdictions in, right. in the UK. Oh, because is, yeah. what they're what these other jurisdictions are doing is they're giving a, a religious accommodation to uh, Jewish and Muslim families to get their their dead buried as quickly as possible. Right. Uh, because I guess there's some religious need yeah, uh, or belief about being buried fast. Right. Don't sit around for days on end. Like us, like us Christians. Yeah, I know. Just well, get to me when you get to me. Former Christians. <laughs> um, and, and this is actually, this is causing quite, quite a stir. Hmm. Uh, the, the religious groups are, there's a, so the, the, the barrister who's representing the Adith Yisrael Burial Society uh, told the court, uh, because this has been taken to court, uh, that his case was not about, uh, was not that religious groups must come first, but that religious beliefs must be conscientiously taken into account. Okay. Which sounds like you're just, that's semantics, uh-huh. really. Uh, he says, if the coroner's office knows that the family has a genuine religious need to hold the funeral of their loved one either later that day or the next day, this religious need cannot lawfully be excluded from the defendant's consideration. Uh, consideration. Yeah. And so okay. uh, she, sa- she says, hey, listen, like, we're flexible, right? We- if-, if we're able to-, to fit you in, whatever. But, like, otherwise, it is first come, first serve. This is a... This is a um, this is it's a booming business. People are dying to get in. 
<laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but but no, this is this is uh, an operation of the state. Sure. Uh, we do not take these sort of religious needs. You know, we, we don't place them at the forefront. Right. Right. We will we'll do what we can. But if we can't, we're not going to. Right. Which seems right. seems very, totally very reasonable. fucking reasonable in a in a secular uh, society. So, so I mean, what if I have a religious b- belief? That I need to get treated at the emergency room very quickly, or that I need to get my coffee before you know everyone else. Yeah. Right, I know you get in, you get to jump the queue. I want to be right. in that religion. <laughs> we'll start it. <laughs> exactly. You know, all you have to do is sign up. And yeah, we that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. We, we sue everybody in every coffee shop that doesn't give me giving my coffee quickly. And me first, exactly. You know, it's, me firstism. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the you're the center of your own universe. Everyone's your own god. This thing's writing itself. Yeah. You're your own god. <laughs> I believe in me. I'm going right. to trademark I'm the name. save myself. That's I am. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. I am, <laughs> I am the center of my own universe. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> it's called millennialism. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Just kidding. No, they're going to save us so <laughs> from ourselves. That's true. So let's, uh, let's not pick I, on millennials I, My opinions of millennials has changed dramatically in the past several weeks, so <laughs> yeah. I apologize to those who don't hack me. We're sorry our, our soon, to our soon-to-be overlords. That's right. Don't, don't stalk me on MySpace. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, so my, the company I work with is doing a... a um, a fundraiser for the IRC, which is the International Rescue Committee. Mm. Um, they're a really great group, and, and they've come into a lot of prominence lately because of the travel ban that went into mm-hmm. effect and out of effect and now is kind of bouncing around last year. And they're a pretty phenomenal group, and, and there's a, you know, uh, I, I'll just kind of walk you through what they do, but I also kind of want to talk about what it is like to be a refugee the process you have to go through to get to this country, mm-hmm. and in many cases, what you're fleeing, which is almost certainly religiously motivated, whether right. it's politically engendered, but it's certainly religiously motivated. So whether it's the Rohingya in mm-hmm. Myanmar right now that are mm-hmm. fleeing militant Buddhism, or the Syrians in Syria fleeing you know, various sects of militant Islam, mm-hmm. there's always religion baked into that cake somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just wanted to kind of highlight what what it is this organization does what it you know this the population it services because it's pretty remarkable hmm. so the irc um it was actually founded by albert einstein um what yeah no way it's true uh, among others but he came to this country in the 30s as a well-educated um you know refugee of means uh-huh. and found it pretty hard to get by you know to to find a house to find you know, resources to find a community. Right. And he thought, well, my God, what must it be like for those that are coming behind me that don't have means? So he uh-huh. was one of those who's founded this, uh, this group. And right now they're, huh. they're active in over 40 countries. Um, it was started in 1933. And basically uh, the organization helps re- relocate refugees from, you know, war-torn countries, the shithole countries. <laughs> um, right. And it's, it's, you know, right now it's primarily Congo and Somalia and Syria um, Sudan, you know, a lot of countries that are experiencing extreme, you know, name it, famines, wars, religious strife. Right. Um, and basically, if you want to get out of your country, and mm-hmm. mostly what will happen to you if you're a, a, a refugee, and a refugee, to, just to make the distinction from an immigrant, a refugee is forced out of their country. Right. An immigrant chooses to leave. And you're forced out for your political beliefs, religious beliefs, you know, racial, gender, whatever it might be. Climate. <laughs> climate. 
but you're pushed out. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, something in the vicinity of 60 million refugees in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, High Council f- for the UN that, that actually designates you a refugee or not has designated about 22 million people as refugees. Mm-hmm. And, and mostly what happens to you, you're pushed out of your country and you will end up in a refugee camp in mm-hmm. a neighboring country. And refugee camps are not nice places to live. Yeah. Um, and you will spend, on average, you will spend 16 years in a refugee camp if you're, if you're a refugee. Oh, my. And, you know. On average. On average. So some people will live their entire lives. And these are, you know, the famous ones in, in the West Bank. And in uh, um, uh, Eritrea has a particularly large one that's taking Somali and Sudanese refugees. And it's, and it's, it's a several million people large city. Hmm. So most of these 60 million, 22 designated, live in refugee camps. So if you are so lucky to be able to actually apply for refugee status in the, in the United States or another country that will take you, a European country, England, France, Germany, whatever, right. um, it, is, it is an exhaustive and terrible process. So if you get accepted into the process for getting out of your country, it will take you on average three years. And if you're coming to the United States, first you have to be designated a refugee by the UN High Council on Refugees, mm-hmm. which is that you have to, you know, they have to determine, all right, you were forced out of your country by a, a legitimate enough reason to be classified a refugee. Then, if you want to come to the United States, you have to go through a process where you are interviewed and background checked by the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, the Defense Department, the State Department, the intelligence community, and finally Health and Human Services. You're, you're given physicals, your history's checked into... Um, and if you're a refugee coming into the United States, you are the most vetted person to enter this country by far. Right. And you know, it's, it's a, it's an incredibly vulnerable population in under 50% of refugees are under 18 and 70% are women. And you know, it's, Hmm. they're very young, they're very vulnerable. Um, you know, they, they picked up and left everything Hmm. to, to flee their countries for, for various reasons. Hmm. And they are, the, when Trump talks about the travel ban, this is who he's talking about. So when they shut that down last year, and this is, I'll try and get through this without tearing up. There were people who had, you know, waited their 15 or 16 years in refugee camps, gotten into the process, gotten to the point where they were accepted and sold everything, given away, you know, their homes were re- reallocated in the refugee camps. And Trump turned it off, turned off the spigot. And there, you know, these are people who are in such desperate straits and now they have, they have no recourse. There's nowhere to go. Mm. So, you know, the, apparently the most vulnerable population in the world right now is Syria. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we have as so far in 2018, it's only been a few months, but the United States of America has relocated exactly zero refugees from Syria because of the travel ban, because it's wending its way to the courts. And so, um, you know, I just... I think in the context of, of this podcast, just to talk about people, you know, we've, we've talked often about how, you know, militant Islam, militant Christianity, no one suffers more than that, mm-hmm. than Muslims, Christians, and, you know, these people fleeing this kind of terrible religious fervor, and then to somehow get stuck on the other side, hmm. motivated by some kind of, you know, hyper-nationalism. It's just tragic. So I'll, I'll just say the, the IRC, what it's doing now, since it's got no refugees coming in, is focusing on the refugees they've got, trying to you know further improve their lives. Right. If you're a refugee and you get through this process, when you get here, the IRC you know gets you to a place, they get you into a house with food, they help you find the job, they help you get job training and language training. 
They'll even cook you your first meal, hmm. and they cook you something that's something you recognize. Hmm. So you're not getting, you know, coming from Sudan and having to eat pizza or a cheeseburger for your first meal. I mean, it's hmm. it's truly remarkable work, and they're completely underfunded and under the gun right now. And and in this political environment, it's just it's a it's a tragedy. It hmm. really is so. So there's that. Well, all right. Um, well, continuing with the uh, on the theme of refugees, I'm going to go around the world to a different one, a uh, different story. Uh, this was, uh, I saw this on Vice, actually. Um, and it's a report about um, Muslims in Germany who are converting to Christianity. Hmm. Um, uh, ostensibly uh, as a way to gain asylum. Hmm. Um, beca- and here's the tricky part, because they're, re- they're, they're coming from a refugee situation, right? Sure. The story focuses on this um, one guy who was born in Iran uh, to a family from Afghanistan, and, but he was baptized Lutheran about a month ago, and what this does, and, and he, the reason that he's sort of in kind of a weird refugee limbo situation is he was in Sweden, I believe is where it said he was, and for whatever reason was denied uh, permanent status huh. in Sweden. And so he went to Germany because Germany has accepted so many refugees and while he flat out, this is not his version of the story. Sure. Uh, if by uh, converting to Christianity, he's placed himself in, he's basically amped up his risk as a refugee. He now faces uh, uh, religious uh, problems back home. So in if, Iran, he could be thrown into jail because gotcha. he converted from away from Islam. Right. And if... Somehow he got sent back to Afghanistan. They'd kill him. Wow. And uh, and so this this story really looks into this this situation, and in particular this one uh, Lutheran minister, uh, Gottfried Martins, uh, who is, you know, he says that of of the of the sixteen hundred congregants that he's had since. Uh, 2015, who were um, either Iranian or Af- Afghani, um, a third of them have converted to Christianity. Whoa. Um, he, they are his congregants currently because he houses them at his church. Wow. The, out of just the longstanding tradition, police will not enter churches in Germany. So these, uh, wow. So these guys are holed up in his church. They're holed up in wow. his church. And about a third of them will will end up uh, actually going through the whole process. And and he swears up and down that it's a sincere process, that they're not just converting to Christianity, just just to kind of try to create this little trick. Right. Um, because a lot of them are actually are not receiving full uh, asylum, even after they do this. A lot of them are still getting sent home. Wow. Um, but it does kind of work for some of them. Um, but the German government's trying to... to Really, kind of just shut the whole thing down. Um, how how would they do? Th- are they, they well, shut down the conversion process? No, 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 no. They're they're trying to. The, Germany is not considering uh, conversion 
once it's happened in Germany. I see. As as a reason for asylum. Right. Right. Uh, So he says, uh, this is Martin's, uh, the state is a kind of secular version of the Holy Inquisition because the state (laughs) says we can look into the heart of those people and can say who is the true Christian and who is not. Um, The... uh, he says that the fact that the decisions are based on short interviews conducted by administrators who have no religious background, right, is particularly frustrating. I think a secular state is not able or not allowed to make such judgments about the faith of people, hmm. which is an interesting. He's got a point. Interesting point. Uh, however, isn't that? <laughs> I mean, a secular state needs to just disregard it period right right. and yet he would say it's something that should be considered well that's interesting right don't you think that a secular state has to assume that when someone says they're religious that's 100 percent correct right and factor that into the but no we can't right we We also cannot trust that right we have to like look into it and you know because otherwise anyone can just play the system yep right and how do you, I mean, what's the criteria for determining if someone is truly Christian? Do they have to have like a working knowledge of the Bible? Because I well, know a lot of Christians who would not pass that particular <laughs> threshold. Well, I think it's the whole thing of like, you know, um, uh, yeah, yeah. If you're a convert, you have to know it inside and out. Right. Right. But if it's just given to you, no. It's like somebody who, who, who uh, becomes a citizen of the U.S. Right. They end up knowing U.S. history way better than the rest of us. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, and, and they know more about our system than we do. That's true. You know, and it's so, um, yeah, I remember I saw f- a film years and years and years ago about the American refugee system and asylum um, process um, that was that was looking at this, a lot of these same issues of like, how do we ascertain whether the person is earnest yeah. in their belief or are they just playing the system? See, and that, that's interesting because the Supreme Court of late has kind of um, injected that into our culture, the sincerely, sincerely held religious belief clause. Yeah. So the Hobby Lobby case was... Right. So how do you determine... What's sincere? Yeah. And what's a held belief? Yeah, I, I just you don't know. like gay people or I sincerely believe... That I, I can't bake a cake for this gay wedding. How does, mm. how does one determine that? Right? Because if, if I just don't like gay people, it's, it's that's both. not good enough. It's both. <laughs> you still go to that church yeah, exactly. for that reason. Exactly. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, it's tough, you know? I mean, you want to help these people. Yeah. And you do. And I don't even know if, well, I mean, it's almost like, why put them through that test? Right. Right? Like, isn't it just, do, can't we just acknowledge that going back to your round is shitty? Right. Either way? Right. And and isn't part of what's motivating all of this that we don't, we're afraid of their, their native religion being brought into the, so shouldn't they be That's encouraged? To, yeah. I mean, that was the situation in Germany. Like, apparently th- this was not really a big issue. Um, until recently, hmm. like Angela Merkel is a what Christian Democrat, I think yeah. is her party. And she's the daughter of a Lutheran minister. Um, and she was one of the most strident, except everyone right. types in, in Germany. I mean, she was, let's take them all right. basically. And, uh, 
but the political landscape now in Germany isn't that. No. So she's actually now um, tempering her position on on the refugee thing, and is like, we can't. We we have to. It's, it's in this article. She says, um, uh, da, 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 da. she she faced significant backlash against her migrant friendly policies in the months leading up to Germany's national elections last year. Uh, during that time, Germany processed more asylum applications than any other EU countries combined. Um, but since then, she's had to form a government, mm-hmm. and she's had to make compromises. Right, and uh, she has uh, pulled back. Boy, I mean, this is this is kind of everything kind of dovetails in this vein because you know. That I don't know what the stats are and what these refugees are doing to the country. You know, if they're mm-hmm. if they're if crime is increasing, or you know, what homelessness, poverty, right. disease. You know, I, I don't know those stats. I, I can make some assumptions, but I know for sure that 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 influx of refugees is animating the right wing movements in all of those European countries and I ours. I know, and you know, it's a it's a self fulfilling prophecy and it's a cyclical, you know, process where. You know, uh, the war-torn countries that are being torn apart by these religious strife are sending refugees into countries, and that's causing right-wing movements to get going. It's it's just, this is... It's a fucked up... I talked myself into a very dark place right now. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) All right, what's your next one? Okay, so... I got Putin's Rasputin. (laughs) That's amazing. Is that the is that the headline? Uh, or? Actually, it, it, it's it's. I was not the first person to think of oh, that. Okay, it's in, okay. in fact, in so I'm like that is particularly clever. In, 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 <laughs> I should just claim it. In all the articles about this guy, this Alexander Dugan, we're going to talk about. You know, four out of five call him Putin's Rasputin, and oh. and there's reasons. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, Russian politics are pretty crazy right now, and, mm-hmm. and in the in the context of the Mueller investigation and Russian meddling in our country, it's particularly mm. interesting. But they're, you know, Vladimir Putin's a particularly strange guy. Mm-hmm. Really, he is. And he's surrounded himself by all these oligarchs who are, when the Soviet Union fell, he carved up all of the um, mm. industries in Russia and, and gave them to people. It didn't turn into a democratic mm. um free market system right. those the oil gas tele, telecommunications that were, were divvied out mm-hmm. and that's who these oligarchs are just people beyond beyond our understanding of wealth and that's who runs russia mm-hmm. and one of these guys is a guy named alexander dugan and he's the guy often referred to as putin's rasputin or putin's brain and he has a mm-hmm. and he's a, a very much like a um, Steve Bannon figure. Okay. So just kind of a very bizarre philosophy, very bizarre politics. Doesn't quite fit into any of our classical pigeonholes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has an outsized power in Russia, and is a huge Trump supporter, mm-hmm. um, and is also a kind of confidant of Putin. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy, he's. Uh, He's he's not a dummy. He speaks ten languages. Um, he has this very strange uh, political philosophy that kind of he has created. Um, he has very deeply anti scientific views. He's called for a ban on chemistry and physics. What? <laughs> and he'd like to get rid of the internet. And he has he he well, basically who doesn't I, really. right. Um, he basically <laughs> sees the world as having gone through three 
um, giant political changes in the last little while. It was communism, mm-hmm. fa- fascism, communism, and liberalism, and liberalism would be capitalism. Right. And that both communism and, and fascism failed pretty spectacularly, and that liberalism is, is about to have a same kind of death. Hmm. That liberalism, capitalism is about to go through the same thing that fascism and communism went through, a giant collapse. And he espouses a kind of this new um, uh, philosophy that he calls Eurasianism. And it is kind of the rise of the landlocked empires. Okay. And he kind of sees the world as the whole of history as a, a battle against the traditional landlocked empires and the water-based, I know this is weird, empires. Right. So okay. it's kind of maritime Atlantis versus traditional Eurasia. Okay. And that's how he sees the world. And he sees Russia, particularly right now, as kind of at its moment of bringing, ushering in the Eurasian um, era. Wow. And so he is like excited about climate change and the rising of the oceans. All of this fits Get into rid his of the coasts. Yeah, right. Get exactly. rid of them. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, I, you, I get it. He's in a landlocked country, so you right. come up with a philosophy that makes sense for you. Not totally landlocked. <laughs> but. So he also has some very strange views about religion and homosexuality. He sees the LGBTQ movement as kind of the last phase of the liberal agenda, <laughs> where we've, we've freed people from institutions, we've freed people from religions, we being liberals in the uh-huh, West. Yeah. And our last step is to free people from the organs of their own body. And that's what the LGBTQ, that's, that's a gay agenda, wow. is to separate us from our own gender identity. And so we're, you know, but, but, but we're failing, like we're about to collapse. And um, <laughs> I know, this guy, is, this guy is all over the map. Um, okay, so yeah, it's, it, he sees that the world is, you know, Eurasian, the Eurasian movement and, and union against Atlanticism. Uh-huh. Um, continentalism is what, another word he gives it. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Now, all of this would be, you know, whatever it would be. He's definitely a guy who um, is believed to have been involved in the meddling in the election. Oh, um, yeah. He's just and, and he's a huge Trump fan. He sees Trump as a disruption of America and a hastening of our collapse. Hmm. So I, I don't it, kind of how um, fundamentalist Christians see Jews in Israel is I love you because you're going to help your own destruction. Right. Um, <laughs> and all of this would be fine and good, <laughs> except for the fact that. Um, Putin, who was raised in the communist system um, and was an avowed atheist for most of his career, even up till somewhat recently, has taken a pretty deep dive into r- the Russian Orthodox Church. Oh, really? Yeah. And no one knows whether, you know, s- speaking of sincerity, if it's a sincere move or if it's him deciding that this is a perfect tool for him to use. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Russian Orthodox Church is a particularly, you know, stringent religious faith um and he, it is being espoused by by putin and by dugan to and, and so they're kind of the philosophy they talk about about russia's rise is an expressly um ethnocentric nationalist religious um movement mm. and they're borrowing a lot of ideas from you know the kind of proto-nazi movements in germany that kind of you know wrapped up nationalism occultism and religion mm. and there's a lot of that going on in russia and so that's, you know, where we're at in this moment, this kind of to give sops to the religious right in um, Russia, Putin has been passing, as, as you guys have discussed on the show, the, the crazy anti-gay laws in Russia. Yeah. Just, you know, and so it's one of the worst places to be 
gay is in Russia right now. Mm-hmm. They've also passed laws that make um, domestic violence okay. Yeah. You can smack your wife around, and if you get caught, you pay a fine. Mm-hmm. 14,000 women died of domestic violence last year in Russia. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, they're, let's see, that. Um, they're, they're passing laws to target other churches and faiths, so they're making it harder to be a religious group that's not Russian Orthodox in Russia. Right. Um, you know, um, midnight raids, discrimination, it's just, it's, it is a particularly scary and onerous mixing of religion and politics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that has never really gone well for, for anybody. No. And so, Especially the people who have to live in the... Yeah, exactly. That horror. And so, you know, we're... we're in the context of what they did to our election, it's all part of this agenda and pushing this uh, Eurasianism. So, well, Putin's Rasputin, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, the transition from that, strange, <laughs> strangely, our minds were not uh, that far apart. Um, the, I, f- I found this article um, in the Washington Post that talks about um, why... Uh, white evangelicals aren't rejecting Trump, um, and I mean, I think I think it's we, we've we've danced around it on the show, yeah. right? Um, and I, and I think a lot of us kind of sort of and we kind of get it. Well, he's getting them what they want, <clears throat> but what is it exactly that they want? Right? Because I th- I think I would have said, well, he's he's going to finally or or at least try, you know, to help the them crush abortion right once and for all and 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 looking at the specific issues right but this article takes the stance that it's that it's actually a broader issue and and i and i like that because it 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 starts to put it in into terms that um we can start to attack and we can start to be aware of Hmm. in a more broad way uh and and that that sense is uh christian nationalism Uh. Uh, that the and so they they looked at a um, they they there was a poll that they analyzed in order to come to this conclusion that was taken right after the election and they asked the the, the questions that these folks were uh, interested in were these ones and the 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 respondents <laughs> um, were, were asked these these questions. Um, so do you d- agree or disagree with these statements? The federal government should declare the United States a Christian nation. Hmm. The federal government should advocate Christian values. The federal government should enforce strict separation of church and state. Hmm. The federal government should allow the display of religious symbols in public spaces. Boy, this is all the hot buttons, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The success of the United States is part of God's plan. Oh, dear. The federal government should allow prayer in public schools. So turns out that someone who believed the United States um, should be or either is or should be a Christian nation uh, is obviously more likely to vote for Trump. Right. Um, So much so that you could look at a Democrat um, who responded positively to the idea of American... uh, religious uh, nationalism, Christian nationalism, uh, they were three times more likely wow. than, their, than a standard Democrat to vote for Donald Trump. Uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of 
fucking crazy. Um, likewise, a Republican who scored low on the Christian nationalism scale uh, was significantly less likely to vote for Trump. And so this actually makes me go, ah, oh, does this kind of explain Utah a little bit? Yeah. Because Mormons, uh, by and large, I think they, they, they like to think of a day when Jesus is going to reign. Right. Right. And they certainly like to live in a state that's controlled by their religion. Sure. But, and and but, they do. <laughs> and, and they do. But they don't believe in like a, a, a massive religious takeover of the United States. No, that's never that. That's not a Mormon tenet. No. And, and so you see in our election or, you know, during the presidential election here in Utah, um, the rise of a, of a third party candidate who took a big chunk. Wasn't it like 30 percent? Yeah, it was. He, he did obviously better in Utah than anywhere because he was a Mormon. Right. But yeah, it was it was the yeah, he took like and for Utah to not go full Republican ticket is is bizarre. Pretty crazy. But and, and it kind of helps to explain the Mormon hesitation to, to support Trump. Right. By and large, like the, you just your party loyalists were just like, yeah, OK, Trump. Great. Right. The, the the rest of the folks were just like, but he's horrible sicko who doesn't, you know, like, like, yeah, who doesn't espouse our values. His, his right? personal picadillos mattered more to Mormons. Right. Because that's and that makes sense, because if if you don't you don't care about what he is as a person, you just consider him to be a vessel. Right. And you don't even want an agenda. You just want this country to be. Right designated as a religious country then right. you don't it doesn't matter how we get there right and so you don't i don't care if he's sleeping with prostitutes or whatever right if he gets us that closer to that goal right then fine so it's okay because he's going to get us a christian nation right but he doesn't have to be a good christian to do that right which is bizarre like don't you want the person representing you to like really espouse your values you would like, how delusional are you yeah that you, that you think that this person who's greedy, self-interested, has never said a Christian thing in his life. Right. You know. To this day. To this day. Yeah. Right. I, I see a lot of pastors. How is he going to bring about your thing? Right. I think, I think it's a disruption, right? It's just he's going to shake it up and he's going to allow more pious men or he's going to appoint more pious men or whatever. Yeah. But I've seen pastors lately, especially in the wake of the Stormy Daniels hmm. nastiness, um, going on TV trying to justify, well... It was 12 years ago. Right. Right. He's, he's a converted man. And, and I, all I can say is I, I don't see it. Yeah. I, I've seen people who found religion. <laughs> they act a certain way. And you know what I mean? Like they sound a certain way. Right. And Trump is, you know, he's still, he keeps doing terrible things today. Right. That normally Christians would, would, would find repulsive. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, but do you feel that Mormons have, gotten used to him though do you feel like the support because i've statistically his support has gone up in utah yeah um do you think they're, they're I, I, I think that i mean utah is such a red state uh that the party loyalism yeah. just the, the oh he's a republican and oh he he got us this tax break and oh he this and oh he that like yeah you know they're they're, they're they might still find him distasteful but he's not but he's who we got He's kind yeah, of thing. So let's let's yeah. let's work with him or whatever. But they didn't want him. No. You know. No. And uh, so yeah, it's it's just kind of fascinating that 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 this is this is the thing, and I and I like it being identified 
And I knew that it was a concept. I knew that, you know, Christian yeah. nationalism. But that's what we need to be decrying now. Right. Right. Is, no, you're a Christian nationalist. Right. Right. We don't want the Christian nation. This is a secular country where Jews, Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, and atheists can all live together, you know. Well, and it and never it never was the country you're pretending it was. It was, no, I, it was yeah. never that country. Right. That was expressly religious, expressly Christian. Right. Um, it's just, you guys kind of got away with it in yeah, certain places. In certain places. The, you know, like, yeah. Below the Mason-Dixon line up until 1865, <laughs> for example. <laughs> well, and sadly, probably a little bit beyond that. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the whole prayers in schools thing wasn't oh. official until what, like the 70s? I, I remember praying. I led prayers in my high school. You're kidding no. me. No. I was on the swim team and we would go pray before every meet. What? And I, when I was captain of the team, it was my job. I was captain of the swim team. Just a humble, little humble brag there. Wow. Go Highland Rams. Um, <laughs> I would lead the prayer. And I, and I was, I had, there, I, there were a couple of guys who were Jewish on the team and, and uh -huh. we've had conversations since that they were like, that was fucking bullshit. Yeah. And I was friends with them. Wow. It just didn't occur to me. Right. You know, cause I had that privileged position that I think is what's motivating a lot of these people right. is this is my country. Well, yeah. I mean. Prayer definitely continued in athletics. Yeah, but, but and, and, assemblies and, and stuff. It was, yeah. yeah. Like, you didn't have a prayer at the beginning of the school day. No. Did you? No. Or anything like that? That was gone by then. Yeah. I remember it being a hot button issue, though, when I was a kid. Yeah. Because it was, it was, you know, taken away by that liberal Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it interesting that it's not just that Donald Trump isn't as holy as you might expect. Right. It is that he is the antithesis of, yeah. he is the least holy man I've ever encountered, I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. You couldn't write him in fiction. No one would believe you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, you've got to give this guy a characteristic that's likable. Redeemable. Right. Right. Tony Soprano was a good family man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, Donald loves his daughter. He sure does. <laughs> God. And tolerates his son. <laughs> They've got good livers and organs that could be harvested one day. <laughs> That's what Eric's for. He's just organ bank. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, if you guys have any ideas of what to do with Donald Trump's organs or otherwise, uh, please. Paperweight. Doorstop. <laughs> Send us an email. Podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Atheist, And, uh, you know, there's also that lovely um, uh, members-only lounge mm -hmm. on Facebook, which uh, is a great thing to join. The conversation there is civil. It's moderated. And uh, you just have to request to join it. We'll let you in. Boy, civil conversation is such a nice thing these days. <laughs> Hey, Doug. Hey, yo. <laughs> What's up, Frank? Do you enjoy Jim Baker? Do I enjoy Jim Baker? <laughs> that is his crazy wife, uh, Lori. Well, they're both crazy. Crazy Jim <laughs> Baker and crazy Lori. Um, yeah, so here's a clip from the, the, the Jim Baker show uh, where they are talking about, uh, you know, all of us God-haters who uh, are trying to get, you know, religious symbols removed from public spaces and they they come up with a a public space 
that apparently we're trying to get stuff removed from. So let's take a listen. Don't touch God's anointed. God's, they're going to see some things happen. You're going to say, my God, my God, why are people falling over dead? That's right. Because they've touched God's anointed. It's true. And even people who have blasphemed Billy Graham's memory. Oh. It's on the internet. You know that. Oh, sick. They're so sick in America that they don't respect anything. Right. They don't respect God. No. They don't, you know what they're talking about they're going to do now? They're going to remove all the crosses mm -hmm. at the great cemetery in Washington. <gasps> well, they can't do that. Are you kidding? No, How I'm not. How could they remove no, all the crosses at Arlington? That's okay. where all the soldiers, it's millions of them are buried. The white crosses? Our soldiers who were Ricky's age, who died for this country. They have no respect for those who have gone before. There's nothing like going to Arlington Even Cemetery Even the history of America that. is being desecrated. My goodness. There's nothing to respect anymore. So we are in the last days. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, what, there's, there's such lunatics. Where do they get this shit? I, I have no clue. I have not heard about this effort to remove crosses. I, I from, haven't, I, I have not Arlington gotten that Cemetery. call to action. It's, yeah, <laughs> this is, it's, I mean, I have no fucking clue. There's a picture that pops up when they're talking about it, right? Because <laughs> yeah. there's, this is from video, of course, um, that shows a very large cross, All right. uh, kind of monumental cross it looks like it's like at a entrance to a cemetery sure. and i don't know if like there's some movement to get that taken down because it's a public cemetery right but but nobody's going to take the crosses off the headstones no. or like <laughs> off of a little chapel that some christian group might have built as like a, it's just not gonna fucking happen as a devout atheist if i saw somebody <laughs> taking a cross off a grave there'd be a fight yeah. Like, we would all rush in. Like, what? That, yeah. But what's scary is, where do they get this? And, you know, my, my, my mother was one of those, well, she's still with us, um, who this kind of thing would enter her brain and live there. She would hear it from Jim Baker, and that's just like, that's it. That's fact. Liberals are trying to take crosses out of cemeteries. I'm going to go to my grave believing that fact. Right, right. So, it, you know, where are they getting this shit? I don't know. I, I, I do believe half of it they make up wholesale. Uh, the, half. The, the other half they probably get from Alex Jones. Right. You know? Yeah, you're probably and, right. Like, like this point, there's so many conspiracy theories constantly yeah. being spun and getting out there. Getting, and getting out real there. exposure. And getting, yeah. And by, and, the, by the time you, you try and debunk it, it's, you're, yeah. on, you're 10 past now. And, 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 and most of them are just laughably ridiculous, right. like Jews controlling the weather. You know, to, so, wait, what are you saying? So the Rothschilds can make money, you know, and, uh, and like, yeah, you're probably exactly right. There was a, uh, there was like a big cross that was probably crumbling and it was a danger, like a menace. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we got to take this cross down. And oh, my God, the liberals are taking crosses from Ar from Washington <laughs> or, or Erlington in Washington. <laughs> my God. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, you know, I mean, um, I mean, you, you mentioned your mom. Yeah. Right. She's a, she's a listener. To this show? No, I'm oh. kidding. Oh, my God. I was like, really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's not a listener to this show. <laughs> I would be mortified. If the NRA the sponsored parents. your show, your, my mom might listen. Oh, God. 
And that's a true statement. No, but like, um, you know, Mormons don't do the whole cross thing. No, it's not. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom just the other day, (laughs) they're obsessed right now with their, with their deaths. Um, it's so bizarre. My dad had cancer. Sure. Uh, he's had, actually he's had multiple cancers. Um, and the last one was really scary and how he got through it is it's a, it's a miracle. Wow. <laughs> uh, he had the, you know, stage four lung cancer. No way. And he was, he was going down. No way. And, uh, they put him on some medication that should not technically have like, he wasn't a genetic match for it or something. Yeah. Uh, but like 10% of the population responds positively to this drug even though they're they don't have the marker and the way my parents tell me they don't necessarily know why that's the case but they just decided hey the chemo's killing you right uh so here you go boom you're on this and he's basically full wow i mean well that's great then the pet scans and everything's gone but anyway so the last year they have been prepping for their deaths all right. And so they've they have all, everything's paid for. They've got the whole the whole plan. Uh, Which is, they, that's prudent. They, they've they've decided to be cremated. Like oh, really? Mormon parents have decided to be cremated, that's which is just so bizarre. Interesting. Uh, but the last two conversations I've had with my mom, the first one, she tells me that she wants their dog who just died, its ashes to be added to theirs. <laughs> When they when they die, and okay. be buried with them. Sure, mom. Right, that's fucking weird. <laughs> and then the other one was she's she's she sent me a text, uh, a picture of their monument. Oh it's my! Done. No it's way. on their on their plot, and because they're even though they're being cremated, they're still going to be buried. Boy. And it's you know it says Feldman across the top and has their names and their birth dates wow. already on it. Uh, she said she she says on the back of it there's a space for all of our names oh if we want to be buried there too. I'm just like, no, <laughs> that's okay, mom. Can I think about that's, it? That's fine. Um, but there's the big um, Angel Moroni right oh, on top of the damn thing. Awesome, you know? Yeah, and it's just so fucking weird. That's so strange. I mean, that's it's very prudent of them. Yeah, uh, you know, but it's also pretty weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's and it's weird for me, right? Yeah, because they're you know they're in their seventies, mid seventies now, and so they're starting to really think about it. But my mom's mom is still alive. Wow, she's kicking it. Yeah, in Reno, really, (laughs) just just doing fine. Wow, and uh, I mean, not she's she's in her nineties. She's not doing fine, but she's she's doing better than me, probably. Yeah, she's doing great. Wow, and uh, and so like. I don't know what it's anyway. They faced death. They stared it down. Yeah. And now they're just like, okay, well, let's just do it. Let's just be ready. They 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 go about it. It sounds like they're going about it with the same kind of resolve as and and peace mm-hmm. as atheists. Mm. You know what I mean? Like or 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 you know, I mean it just it's rare that people kind of live a life believing in judgment and heaven and hell mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and have that kind of sanguine attitude mm-hmm. right at the end it's pretty it's very interesting i'm, I'm not mm-hmm. accusing your parents of being atheists and i would never do that <laughs> but you know what i mean like that's a very peaceful way of thinking about it a very like yeah. universally like okay this is gonna happen yeah let's prepare I know, it's, it's crazy anyway hmm. we do have some people to thank this week 
people who are still with us <laughs> as, <laughs> as of recording. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it was pr- pretty amazing. We have three new patrons this week on uh, Patreon. Uh, excellent. Uh, we have Melody, who is a new faithful listener. Hmm. Uh, Udo is a new beatified listener. And Santiago is a new pope. What a great... We don't get new popes very so often. Great. So uh, thank you so much, guys. It's, uh, it's such a, a help. Um, and, uh, you know, now all three of these folks have uh, access to bonus content mm. on our, uh, that's available through our Patreon page. Um, you can get to Patreon by going to thankgodimatheist.com and clicking on our support tab. That'll take you right to our page. And, uh, yeah, uh, the, all listeners get access to a commercial-free version of the show, mm. which is awesome. And then starting at just the second level, we have the Frank and Dan Diaries, uh, <laughs> which is just Dan and me rambling on about anything, and usually multiple things in some weird string of consciousness. Uh, some you, ayahuasca yeah. haze. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't pin us down with some... Some stories to talk about. We will literally jump topic to topic every thirty seconds. So, uh, but but yeah. Um, so thank you so much, guys. And of course, we always have to thank our top donor, uh, our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Angela, Angela herself. Uh, she she continues to reign supreme. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, we bless you in, in the name of Angela. Frank just did a little cross there with his head, a little incantation. We bless you. We bless you. Amen. Amen. Okay, Doug. Hey, Frank. <laughs> Conference is coming up. Conference is upon us. Uh, like, well, tomorrow. And I, uh-huh. I, it starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, tonight, tonight, the young men's, remember you, the young men's thing would happen tonight? There's a young men's thing? Yeah. Remember there was like a fireside the night, the Friday night? I think they even do one for the women, for the lady folk now. No. Yeah. They, well, I they don't, don't remember this. They don't make, yeah, like you'd go to the, the, the steak center and they would broadcast uh, one of the Skeksis reading. <laughs> <you know? laughs> How do I not? But we were so into all of this. How do I not remember? Yeah, this? I remember it was like the thing you did. The you know because you know what, so, what I need is more conference. In so my they life. have figured out how to ruin your entire weekend. Totally, because <laughs> that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> exactly, they, they couldn't even leave Friday night yep. alone. And we go sit on those crappy folding chairs in the stake <sighs> center auxiliary room. And oh my god, I was already so bitter about <laughs> the you know the 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 Saturday and Sunday. Right. We aren't thinking of the priesthood session, are you? Isn't that that's what I mean? Is that, that well? That's Saturday night. That's Saturday night. Yeah, they fit in three sessions oh, on God. three two-hour sessions on Saturday, right? And then two two-hour sessions on Sunday. Oh I think it might actually be the women's one they do on Friday nights now. Is that what it is? I think so. Okay. They, they threw a sop to the lady folk, okay. um, and they get to go do it with the men folk do. <laughs> but that way, there's always a parent home with the rugrats. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah no. Consider it like that. They got that worked out. Isn't that, isn't that great? Uh, but yeah, general conference. This is a, it's such a strange thing. Like growing up, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in Utah, yeah. so I didn't have the the the, the pleasure <laughs> of it being broadcast on Channel Five, right? Um, like we had to actually get up and 
get dressed for church and oh my God, go, go to, to uh, the nearest church with a satellite dish. <laughs> and not all of them had satellite. Right. So it, it was it was always kind of a thing. And you'd go and you'd sit in the in the chapel oh. and be up on the on the big TV. Uh, in later years, when we lived in Oklahoma, it was just a little wheeled out TV. Oh, yeah. Because five people showed up. I remember those. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, the AV room. Yeah. But like, here in Utah, it's on TV. So you could just enjoy yes. it from home. And, and enjoy it. For, enjoy. Yeah. That's, yep, it was piped right into your goddamn house. <laughs> See, oh I looked at it as you couldn't get away from it. Yeah. So, yeah, my parents used to make us watch it. Uh, we had to put our Sunday best on and watch the TV. <laughs> See, I've never heard that one before. Oh, was, like, most people, like, at least enjoyed the fact that they didn't have to get dressed yeah, up no. watch it in their pajamas yeah you know well what's what's <laughs> i hope my mom's not listening she would wear her pajamas we had to get dressed up no yeah we had to we had to put our sunday best on but she <laughs> she didn't bother <laughs> and you know it's a sunday best for a mormon woman in the in the 80s was it just a dress like not right not like an evening gown like a right no no yeah. like a moo moo but so type. she didn't lead by example she, no. In fact, that if I write a book about my mom, that's going to be the title of it. <laughs> she didn't lead by example. <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, so it's this uh, semi-annual event, and uh, this one is uh, is is kind of an important one. Yeah, there's a lot happening uh, because uh, as as listeners of the show know, uh, Thomas S. Monson. Uh, the, the 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 previous president of the church passed away mm-hmm. um, a few months ago. Yep, and uh, and since then there's been a new prophet. It happens immediately, mm-hmm. uh, but this is going to be his first general conference. Yeah, uh, um, Elder Nelson. I, I think so. I, the names are getting harder and harder, I know. and I love that they're getting harder and harder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's Elder Nelson, or President Nelson. President Nelson. Now. President Nelson to you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it would be his first, And but there was also another passing since the last general conference. Mm-hmm. I think it was, wasn't it David B. Haight? Uh, yeah, passed away. that's correct. So, so there's actually two openings on the, in the Quorum of the Twelve. Yep. At this moment. And and it wasn't the last conference, but it was the one before that, or maybe the one before that, where there were three that had passed. That was that, That's when Packer died and a couple others. Really? So there's been some tremendous turnover in the quorum. I didn't realize that many had passed. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a new day. So, some so, young blood. So what... what is, <laughs> yeah. So to speak. So young. <laughs> it's always nice to have septuagenarians yeah. referred to as young. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, and it's obviously an organization that needs to go through some change. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're having some problems with some of the issues that we talked about already on the show. Um, but just some real, also just ongoing growing pains in a, in a modern, uh, and in an information age. Yeah. Right? Which, which I don't know how they, I don't know how they manage it. I'm well, curious. They need to get some 
they need two millennials called to the quorum of the 12. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's asked, or, you know, like um, there was this special section in the, in the Salt Lake Tribune this week, which I've never seen them do before. It's kind of like leading up to general conference. I've never heard of that. Um, and, it, and it was really, really, really quite strange. But one of the things that they had was kind of a, uh, they sort of did a casual poll where they asked some listeners or some um, readers what they were hoping for in the upcoming general conference. Right. And one of the themes was that, that, that people want there to be more diversity at the, in, at the higher levels of the, of the church. Right. They'd like to see somebody from uh, maybe South America right. or somebody who has a different skin complexion uh, <laughs> than, than the rest of them. And I think that's kind of fascinating. But well, I, I don't know that they're in tune with that. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, it has been brought up many times. The church is verging on being a majority minority church. Mm-hmm. Like it's the only place it's actually growing well mm-hmm. is in South America and Africa. Yeah. And, and it's getting some traction in Eastern Europe and Asia. Wow. But, but, you know, it's booming in South America and it's booming in Africa. And in, you know, 10 or 15 years, it will tip that point and it'll be majority non-white. Right. But if you look at the Twelve Apostles, the First Presidency, and the Quorum of the Seventies, um, uh-huh. which is the next echelon of leadership, right? It's hundreds of white dudes, yeah, and like a couple not white guys, right? Like you know, so it's a very unrepresentative um, leadership structure, yeah. But, but I, but it's also, you know, I don't know how they inject race into that, I don't, I, you know, ethnicity into that. I, don't, I just don't see it, right? Because they would have to pluck someone from like a bishopric, right? And make them an apostle, right? Because there's no there's no like farm team of <laughs> of non whites right. in this church. I know. So um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and and the only real um, taste of diversity that they have at the top is Uchtdorf. Uchtdorf. He's German. And he's German. <laughs> oh, and but that's beloved. not a made up name. Yeah, he's yeah. beloved. Beloved. Yeah. They love that man. Yeah, they do. And Nelson demoted him. Yeah, which I think is bizarro. Yeah. Apparently, there's quite a bit of palace intrigue in that. They're they're all vying for power. Really? Yeah, because you know, and and it's a lifetime appointment, right? So you're you're you get brought up when you're like fifty into the quorum, mm-hmm. and you live till you're ninety. Mm-hmm. So for forty years, you're vying for power and authority, and hmm. you know, I can't imagine that you know these people stay friendly this entire time. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? But I I don't see how they can. I don't know. It, it, the church absolutely needs to diversify its leadership. Yeah. But it's so it's such a hierarchical faith and yeah. the those echelons that would be the people who would be brought up into the 12 are still all white. Well, and I think that they are uh terrified of the prospect of the church changing. Yes. And the only the, they they need they need it to stay yeah. exactly the same. That's their power. But what at what and, point if you're if you're Latino or African, at what point do you like I you know why would I join this religion? Well, it did take until what the 1980s for the Catholics to pick their their first non Italian pope yeah, yeah. in hundreds, hundreds of, of years. years. Yep. And then, then before that, there were like two French guys, yeah. and then it's a string of Italians all the way back to you know Constantine. That, that's a, that's a fair point. That you know, maybe it's you, know, you join the religion because of the doctrine, not necessarily the leadership. Yeah, 
I suppose. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's it, it's happening now. So why not believe it will continue to happen? Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, um, but it, it bears it bears repeating that the guys who are in the twelve apostles minus a couple, mm-hmm. and certainly the first presidency, these guys were bishops, mm-hmm. um, state presidents, mission presidents, when the church would not allow black people. These people cut their teeth in the faith, became faithful, and began their journey upward Uh in a religion that was avowedly racist. Right. So what's, you know, who's to say that many of those people don't retain that programming to some degree or another? Well, yeah. And then how do they, I I, I guess getting good on the gay issue would just be a step too far for them. I think so. Because they've already had to make a huge step in their life. I don't think they would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a really good point. They remember a very... A very different church. Yep, from a very different time, and it, and it, it it didn't change because of you know popular demand. It changed because you know for polygamy they needed statehood, mm-hmm. and for the 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 black issue in the church, it was the civil rights pressure they could no longer push against. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and so the, there were reasons they made these changes that were not necessarily altruistic. Right. So I don't think the pressures there on the gay thing. What, hmm. You know, maybe we'll come to bear. Maybe BYU won't be able to play other schools in in in, in sports or something like that. That's about the only thing that will I get think so their too. attention. Yeah, is, is BYU sports. Yes, <laughs> second only to God in the minds of most Mormons. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, we do need to wrap it up. I have lunch plans. Oh, so I. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of watching. Oh the no, clock. I don't. I, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Just tell me where a deli is nearby. You know. Yeah, and if if you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation, any recollections of, you know, conferences past, um, please do give us a call. Four two four six 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 eight four four two is the telephone number, or you could email us. Uh, the email address is podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash TGIatheist. There's also the Members Only Lounge, which is a really nice place to spend some time. That's on Facebook. Uh, just go on Facebook and search for it. Request to join and we'll let you in. Uh, you can watch us uh, most weeks on YouTube, youtube.com slash TGIatheist. And, of course, uh, you can also support the show um, on Patreon by going to thankgodimatheist.com and clicking on the support tab. All right, guys. Well, we need to thank uh, Doug for sitting in this week. Thanks so much. Thank you. I think this is my third. Is it? Yeah. It's one with Dan, two with, two you. with me. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's it's always great. Oh, so uh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks so much. And uh, thanks to uh, all of you for, for continuing to listen. And... Uh, Have a good week. Bye now. Bye.